Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Now, I'm just going to take the opportunity and pray for you guys, if that's okay. And uh, let's extend our hands to Jason and Lori before we start today. Lord, thank you so much for sending them here to our church today, to your church today here in Ladner. Lord, we're excited to hear what you have to say through them. We're excited to see what you're doing in them. And I pray that you would continue to be with their church out on the other side of Canada. Lord, it's incredible to see that you are moving all around. So I pray that your blessings would keep pouring out on them. And Lord, may we continue to worship you in everything we do. And thank you that they are obedient to you. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, Lori, Amen. take it over. Thank you so much, Bish, for giving me a moment to say hello. Good morning, everyone. It is so good to see you. And Jason and I are so excited to be here with you this Sunday and next Sunday. We come from Ottawa, as Bish said. We pastor a church there called Life Center, very close to you guys, Life Church. And for about the last three years, we've been building a relationship with your pastors, Ermery and Andreas, and we have really united our hearts. We really have a very similar mission and heart for what we're believing God for, for in Ottawa and you guys here in BC. And so we're so thankful for the relationship and we're so thankful that God has brought us into your lives for such a time as this. And I want to talk to the women just for a quick second. Where are the ladies of the house? Where are the ladies of the house? So we have a conference coming called Heart Conference. And Heart Conference is for the ladies. It's coming at the end of March, the 24th and 25th, I believe. And it is a an invitation, an invitation to come and to be with Jesus, to come and spend time together with other women in the presence of God. And, and we have done our conference a couple of years in a row. We've had a break through COVID and we're back this year and we're so excited. And it is an atmosphere of faith where an awakening will take place in your spirit, like which you don't even know yet today. An awakening of something new, of something that God wants you to step into in the season ahead. And, and honestly, I'm not a salesperson at all, but I am a woman of faith and I have seen it again and again and again. I have seen profound transformation as women have taken time a weekend just to set aside to be with Jesus and to believe God for anything that he has in store for them. And so ladies, what are you waiting for? Go and register for Heart Conference. It's $69. We love for our students to come as well. They are all invited. And if you're 18 or under, you can come for free. You can register for free on the website. You can find out at your website, Life Church's website, you to go to register or heartconference.ca. So ladies, go and register. It is gonna be a profound and beautiful time in the presence of God. And we have so many surprises, so many wonderful things. If you've been to a women's conference before, this women's conference is not like any conference you've ever been to, I promise you. It is so different, it is so transformative, it is so personal, it is so deep. And so we really, really want you to be there. And we're so excited and preparing for you to come. So invite your friends and let's do this together. Now, just before uh, Jason comes up to speak today, Jason's gonna be speaking today, we're gonna co-teach next week. I just want to stir an atmosphere of faith in this room. 
because so often we come to church and we are like, oh, you know, we look at the worship leader that's leading that day. We look at the speaker that's speaking. I don't really like that speaker. But let's be honest. Let's be honest. The weight, no, no. The weight, let's put the weight on the Holy Spirit today. Because it's actually not really about who's leading worship. It's not really about who's speaking. It's actually about what God has preordained to do today. And if we can align our hearts and align our spirits and have eyes of faith to be able to see what God is at work doing, to see what God is at work doing in our lives, even when we can't see it, to see what the Holy Spirit is already at work doing right in the midst of our circumstances, right in the midst of our difficulties, the Holy Spirit is at work and we need eyes of faith, spiritual eyes to be able to see it. And so can I just invite you just to open your hands like this, just to posture yourselves, and let's just invite the Holy Spirit to begin to work, to begin to give us eyes of faith to see what he's doing. Let's just invite him. Invite him just quietly in your spirit. Invite him. Holy Spirit, come. Just say that in your spirit right now. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you be in this place? We know you're here. And we're so thankful for your presence. In fact, we don't want to do anything without your presence. Would you make us aware of your presence right now? Aware of what it is that you are at work doing in our lives, even where we can't see it yet? Would you open our eyes to be able to see it? Would you align us? God, would you align our spirit to be able to see what it is that you want to do today? the revelations, the awakenings, the healing, the freedom, would you open our heart and open our spirit to receive from you? And God, we just humbly repent for whatever it is that we have brought in with us today that is blocking the move of your presence and the move of your spirit in our lives. Whether there's offenses in our heart, whether there's complaining, about specific things that are going on in our lives, whether we're just weary, overwhelmed, we lay it down at the foot of your cross and we ask you to show us where you're at work. Align our hearts and our spirit to your moving in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we were worshiping uh, just a moment ago, I just had such a sense of anticipation and expectation in my spirit for what the Lord is at work doing in this house. And, you know, I just sense that for many of you today that, you know, you can look to the person sitting beside you and you can believe God for them. God for incredible things, for breakthrough for them. You can see potential in them. You can believe that anything is, impo is impossible, anything is possible for them. But when you look at yourself and your own life and your own story, you don't believe it for yourself. And can I just encourage you today that there is an atmosphere of faith in the room, that there is an atmosphere of revival in the room, and that the Holy Spirit wants you to grab hold of personal revival because there is a personal revival that God wants to do in the midst of this church and this church family. Because where you're planted in this city, where you're planted everywhere you are, the light is needed. The light that is inside of you is needed in the midst of darkness, and you are the revival. You are the revival, so let your spirit be revived today. Not just for the person beside you, but for you.
Grab hold of it today. There's an atmosphere of faith in this place, and God wants to do something powerful. All right, we're ready. Amen. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, we're going to be out early. It's a miracle. No, I'm going to share a few things. Um, I really want to keep, though, I want to keep in the vein uh, that Bish and the worship team was leading, and I want to keep in the vein of what Lori was just leading into. Uh, and may I say, what a beautiful expression of the body of Christ that you are. I don't know if you hear that enough, but may you know, may you know from the heart of the Father what a beautiful expression you are of his body in this region. For Lori and I, we honor pastors Andreas and Ermery and the entire pastoral and leadership team here at Life Church that is ministering weekly. It is not about just the leaders. It is about the body of Christ. How many of you know that the world is sick of celebrity Christians? We should never have had them in the first place. Every single one of us is a member called to minister one to another into a lost and broken world. There is no such thing in God's kingdom as a person that doesn't have a place. Every single one of us is necessary and vital, and for Life Church to be and to see its redemptive potential requires every single one of us saying yes to the Lord and stepping into what he has for us. I couldn't help but think as we were worshiping today that sometimes we truly desire God to move mountains, and he does in this beautiful, ec external, tangible way, does things that we cannot do. But sometimes our vision gets fixed on the external that we are asking God to do or we want to see God do. And again, that is good. But sometimes we are so fixated on things on the outside that we don't see the mountain-type faith that God is trying to develop us on the inside. Sometimes we are so looking outward that we cannot see what God is equally doing inward so that whether or not this happens, God is good. You and I can engage that space. Every single one of us here today, whether we are here or whether we're at home, every one of us has the outside part that we all see, that we all got dressed today. Turn the person beside you, look them right in the eyeballs. You may have to look behind you or around you. Look, look the introverts love this, by the way. Look, find them, look them right in the eyeballs and say these words. You are the best looking person that I have seen in 46 minutes. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. And mean it when you say it. You're the best-looking person that I've seen in 46 minutes. How many of you have too much encouragement in your life? Can I see your hands, please? Not one person. We all need more encouragement. You're the best-looking person that I've seen in 46 minutes. 46 minutes is when we started church, by the way. Some of you are like, why are you saying 46 minutes? That's why. Well, there's the outside version of us, which is spectacular. But then, then there's the inside space where God is working, where God desires to transform, where God is often. And that's the part that others don't see so readily. It's the you that walks into a room and is like, hey, but on the inside you're like, I don't want to be here. It's the you that's meeting someone and you have to put on a professional face, but the inside of you maybe is living in fear. Every single one of us have an exterior that people can see, and then we have an interior that we oftentimes see, and sometimes there's even a space on the inside of us where we're unaware that God is working, but he is. And one of the things that we want to talk about over the next season of weeks is being resilient. Everyone say resilient. 
is developing resiliency on the inside of us. As Christians in Canada, a challenge we are facing is followers of Christ are lacking resiliency. As disciples of Jesus, God is moving in us individually, but also collectively to increase our resilience. A number of years ago, I read a research-driven study by, called Faith for Exiles by uh, Dave Kinnaman, David Kinnaman and Mark Matlock. And their research reveals five factors which makes followers of Jesus more resilient. Which may I also say that resilience is not, that there's a counterfeit to resilience. And actually, it's everywhere. You'll find it. And you even may find it creeping in on your own heart. Resilience is not the same thing as being cynical, hard, jaded, easily frustrated, or exasperated with other people. In particular, other people who don't see the world the way you see the world. That is not resilience. All of those things are actually the things that drain resilience from us. Resilience is actually quite different. Resilient disciples, there's five things that they have in their lives that they cultivate differently than other Christ followers. The first is that they love Jesus, and that's what we're going to talk about today. The second is that they really trust Scripture. They don't just say they trust Scripture, they trust it. The third is that they have meaningful relationships. You don't need to have ten friends in church, you just need one. And here's what's incredible. If you can make a friend with somebody of another generation, I promise you, you may not see the world the same way, but you will grow enriched resilience if you can hear what one another is saying. Meaningful relationships, you can engage purpose. That's in that, and the last one is you live in a countercultural mission. You don't live only critiquing the culture, you live different in the culture, and that is essential. And so today let's discuss the first element, love Jesus. Everyone say, love Jesus. A little tip for you, the more feedback you give me, the quicker I'll preach and we'll be out of here. I promise you that. Even though you're British, thank you, exactly. Even though we're in British Columbia, I know you're like, well, we don't do that here. But if you do that for the guest, okay. Love Jesus. Mark chapter 12, verses 30 to 31. Really famous scripture. If you've never been in church, let me introduce you to this text. You're going to love it. You shall love the Lord. It's called the Shema, by the way. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your... See, some people have been in church. They know it. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. And so we can see here that love, yeah, it involves our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions. Sure, absolutely. But for love to be received, it must also become directional. For love to be received, it has to become directional. In other words, one may say that they love you, but if their affections for you never move in your direction, how many of you know it's going to be really hard to trust? I can say that I love Lori, but if my affections never turn and move in that direction, then it's, she may say, you say that you love me, and you say it again and again and again, but it never turns my way. It never becomes directional. It always just stays inside of you. And so you may say that, but where I'm struggling is to trust. I'm struggling to trust that what you are saying is true. And so from love, when it comes to following Jesus, before love can come, become a direction, it starts with an invitation. It starts with an invitation. And God is love. And I want you to watch how Jesus loves his disciples 
through invitation and through direction. I want to say it again. I want you to watch as we go through this morning how Jesus loves his disciples by invitation and then by direction. Because here's what I promise you. Every single day, God is, has these little bids for your attention and for your affection. Every single day, God is wooing your heart in some way just to turn towards him, just to inkling change the degrees in which you're turning your heart or living your life towards God every single day. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. First, Jesus sees them. And because God is love, God always goes first. And he moves in the direction of Simon and Andrew. It was an ordinary day, and they were just doing what fishermen do. God has a tremendous way of showing up in the midst of the ordinary of each of our day if we will actually have our antennas up to be able to see what it is that he wants to do. Hearts open to say, God, you can use my heart and life in this season. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And it says, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going along a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called to them, and they left their father. They left their father Zebedee in the boat. So the person beside you go, that was not very nice. They left their father Zebedee in the boat. If you know the story, that's not true. Zebedee would have been going, like, you go follow him now. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Here's my question. A statement and then a question. Responding to God's invitation always changes your life's direction. Here's my question. When is the last time your life changed direction in the way of Jesus? When is the last time, again, whether it is a huge shift like 90 degree shift. One time I heard a pastor say like a, like a 360 degree shift and I was like, that's the same place. <laughs> like 180, that's better. Like 45, 90, 180. Now we get a 360. That's not actually changing your life. That's just doing a circle. It's like, that's, that's all that is. You know, one of the challenges that we have in North America is this. That somehow we have equated following Jesus with praying a prayer and divorced it from actual ongoing discipleship. Did you know that I believe? How many of you know the church has got some problems? But I, I turn the person beside you and say, well, yeah, you're here. That's why there's problems. Don't do that. That would be mean. You can say it this way, not this way. I believe with all of my heart that there's not a single problem facing the church of Jesus Christ that discipleship will not fix. When I say discipleship, I'm talking about you and I being formed to Christ. And I'm, and I'm not talking about harming the doctrine of justification that in a moment you and I can be saved. But what I'm saying is that there are many people who profess to be Christians, but all they did is say words and their life never changed direction. There was no directional change. There was no evident fruit. There was no inward transformation. There was no growing affection for Jesus. There was no, God, you can use my life to do whatever it is that you desire to do. Too many, again, pray a prayer, but there's no fruit or directional change. It's, it's just saying words. 
And before Simon and Andrew could follow Jesus, Jesus sees and he invites them. And to follow Jesus, they leave their nets. And James and John, as I you know, kind of humorously mentioned, they leave their father. Both of these things are changing the direction of their lives. All they simply do is begin to follow. They begin to move in the way of Jesus. They begin to follow Jesus, walk in the way of Jesus, observe Jesus, see what Jesus is doing, listen to what he's saying to them. They begin to ask questions where they don't understand. Their life, though, however, changes directions. It doesn't stay where it was. Accepting Jesus' loving invitation sets their lives in a different developmental direction. Too often today we speak about left or we speak about the right. We speak about various different things like we can talk about up or we can talk about down. We can talk about heaven or we can talk about hell. And those are realities. We can talk about left politically or right politically. And those are realities But truthfully, where God is often most at work is this toward or away from him in this inward place. Oftentimes, this is the most underlooked yet powerful dimension of where God is truly at work in our hearts and lives. As the disciples trust, everyone say trust. As disciples learn to trust, they begin to follow and they begin to discover how much Jesus genuinely loves them. And resilience develops when our following Jesus is relational and not merely religious. And just because you're a Christian and maybe you've heard it a thousand times doesn't mean that your following has not come, become in some ways religious. Mine does all the time. I, can, I am so gifted at doing church, I can mindlessly do it. I can show up on a Sunday... And I can do everything and have no heart engaged at all. That's how gifted I am. Turn the person aside, you can say I'm impressed. And I'm not saying every single day I have the ooze and the feelings and the goosebumps. What I'm saying is I can do all the religious things, but my heart is somewhere else. My heart is actually wandered. It's, it's caught in offense or it's caught in bitterness. It's, it's caught in unforgiveness. Sometimes it becomes hardened and jaded and cynical. And how I many sometimes, you know, the more you scroll social media, the, more, the angrier sometimes you get. The more you watch traditional media, the more. And nothing's happened to you, but you're getting angry. It's an amazing thing in the world in which you and I live. Resilience develops. When our following is Jesus is relational, not merely religious. And religion can be defined as belonging or relating to a group of people who are united by their practice of religion. But relational means we follow Jesus in our everyday life, which brings us then joy and satisfaction and fulfillment. And not every day feels like mountaintops and rainbows. A lot of days just feel like line upon line, precept upon precept. But it's turning our affection, our genuine attention and affection towards Jesus in a way that is simple but supernatural. Come on, church. It doesn't have to feel spectacular for it to be supernatural. It doesn't have to feel, sometimes it is. I have had moments where God's presence is so thick in a room that it's like all you do is say, I, got, I just got to get lower, I just got to get lower, I just got to get, and I just don't want to move. 
And I have other times where I'm blissfully going through life and it's, it's like I feel nothing and yet God is fully present and moving. Loving Jesus is not merely emotion, though it can involve that. Tears streaming down our face, yes, heart exploding. It's, it can feel all those things. But what it is, loving Jesus is in every area of our life and each stage of our life, turning our attention and our affection toward him on a daily basis with whatever stage you're at in your following Jesus. Nine out of ten disciples who are resilient, everyone say resilient, describe their relationship with Jesus in this way. Ninety percent of Christians who are growing in resilience are turning their attention and their affection towards Jesus each and every day with their unique personality and difference. Whatever it looks like in your sphere, this is what they're doing. But did you know that only 5 out of 10 or 50% of followers of Jesus, people who only come to church and then Monday to Saturday give little, relatively no thought to Jesus at all, only 50% of them would call themselves resilience. And where we lack resiliency, here's what happens. Our affections are pulled toward things that are insignificant in light of eternity. I'm not saying they're insignificant in our daily lives. We say it all the time. Like, I like coffee. I love coffee. How many of you love coffee? Can I see your hands, please? Some people, the way they talk about coffee, I wish they talked about Jesus that way. I do. They know everything about it. Like, one time I was with a friend. And I made instant coffee. Some of you are like, you, you get out, go. Yeah, huh? Ontario, go home right now <laughs> go back to yeah we knew there was problems in ottawa you brought them here okay i know trust me there's a lot of problems in ottawa and they are way above my pay grade instant coffee and they looked at me did you they had their own device and then they're they're pouring pouring water but they're like, don't pour too quickly. They're just brewing away, and they're talking about every instance. And finally, I looked at them, and I was like, I, I, I was done 10 minutes ago. I already drank the dumb thing. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. You've never had coffee until you tasted this. And then I insulted them to their core. They gave it to me, I tasted it, and I was like, I like this better. Oh. <laughs> Who needs friends when you have people like that? But it was interesting because, again, what we love, we talk about in detail. If you love sports, you talk about it in detail. If you love shopping, you talk about it in detail. How, how, do, you, how do you deal with your stress? Some of you add to cart. That's how we deal with stress. <laughs> How'd you get through the pandemic? Add to cart. Nine out of ten, though, resilient disciples, they describe their, their relationship with Jesus with this affection. Only five out of ten, if, if it's just a Sunday thing, but not a Monday to Saturday thing, we drop in resilience. And only two out of ten are people who just become religious. I'll see you at Christmas, and I'll see you at Easter. And when we lack resiliency, what's happening, again, is simply that the affections of our hearts are being led elsewhere. The invitation of Jesus to Simon, Andrew, James, and John is two words, follow me. 
The promise of Jesus rooted in love is if they will follow in their relationship amidst the religious traditions, Jesus will make them into whom that they were created to be. What? What an invitation. This week, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pay attention to how many invitations or bids there are for your attention or for your affection. I want you to try. I want you to try to pay attention to how many invitations for your attention or for your affections come your way. They're going to involve direction and they're going to involve promise. If you buy this, you'll feel this. If you do this, da-da-da, I want you to pay attention. We often don't pay attention to truly how many bids for our attention and affection we experience in a given week. And what sets Jesus apart is his love. Even if you say no or you reject, he will continue to come and he will continue to knock and he will continue to be available and he will pursue you throughout all of your earthly life as a follower of Jesus who also happens to be one who has been called out to equip each and all the saints, every one of us. What an honor, what a privilege in my life. I have had the distinct privilege of sitting beside bedside after bedside after bedside after bedside after bedside of people who are this close to transitioning into eternity. And you know what I've seen again and again and again and again is if there is breath in someone's body, God is there ready to move on their hearts and lives. He is as close as the mention of his name. Hospital rooms where somebody has been ardent and hardened towards the gospel in a moment opens up their heart genuinely to Jesus and hospital rooms become holy ground they also become grounds of profound mourning and grief with loved ones who live and die identically close to Jesus. Some of the most profound places to be invited into where the only response is grief and mourning. Even when circumstances might be overwhelmingly difficult to trust Jesus, he's present I want to begin to wind down by reading this last story. It comes out of Matthew chapter 14. They're following Jesus, and Jesus does this. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Everyone say the other side. That's a promise, by the way. Jesus sends them in direction, go into the boat, and here's the promise. You're going to get to the other side. But here's what's true of them and true of you. When you begin to put your feet in the direction of Jesus, I promise you that there is a destination. There is another side. But between where you set your feet and where it is that you're going, you is going to go through some storms. You're going to go through some stuff. Sometimes they're a result of the decisions that you make. And sometimes they may be as a result of things that we can't control including other people in our lives that create storms for us. Every one of us goes through those things. So immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowds, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, Jesus, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, and it was being beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. 
Anybody ever hear that? Ever, anyone here ever feel that that is exactly what life feels like? The wind is against you? Just always living into headwinds? And it says, in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And here's what they said. It is a ghost. Oh, loved ones. You and I can see Jesus. But when we're in a storm, the temptation is don't see Jesus as he is not. When I've been in storms, I have been tempted to say, God, you said you were faithful. What about this? You said you were good. Why am I going through all of this hell? God, you said you were loving, and if you were loving and good, why this? A storm condition causes us to see Jesus, but to not see him for who he really is. And it says they cried out in fear. Here's what I want you to see. They see Jesus. They're in the boat in the midst of a storm. Yeah, he's walking on the water. To the person beside you, you go, that's odd. It is. Creator showing mastery over creation. And they cried out in fear. But the Bible says, but immediately. Everyone say, but immediately. Jesus spoke to them. I love that. They can't see Jesus for who he is, but here's what I want you to know. Jesus always sees you correctly for who you are. And there is no gap between when Jesus sees you to when he wants to minister to you. It says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Though you've never experienced this before, don't be afraid. The issue isn't how you see Jesus. The issue is when Jesus reveals himself to you through his word, do you trust that he is who he says he is? Or will you continually allow the conditions of the storm to change who Jesus is? This is what we see here in the story. Regarding this text, Pastor Marvin Williams profoundly draws out this. When we experience deep waters and dark nights, anybody ever experienced some of those? Deep Are you alive? Are you breathing? Did I put you to sleep already? Anybody experienced the dark night? If you've never experienced the dark night of the soul, oh my gosh, she do be coming. It's coming. It's com I don't say it gleefully. I'm just saying, wow, it's coming. When we can't see Jesus, Jesus sees us. When we can't come to Jesus, Jesus comes to us. And when we can't speak to Jesus, Jesus speaks to us. And he says, take courage, don't be afraid, I am here. If you're here today and you are experiencing, if you are experiencing in your life the dark night of the storm, the word of the Lord for you is this, take courage, don't be afraid, I am here. From love, Jesus invites them to trust and not be afraid, but Peter has a different idea. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, everyone say if, if it is you, Jesus just said it was him. But this does not persuade or dismay Jesus. He says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come on the water to you. Now remember, 
Jesus' original promise to Simon was, follow me and I will make you. Follow me and I will make you. Follow me and I will make you. This is the call. Just keep your life moving in the direction of me and I will make you. Some of you have reversed it. In order to be like Jesus, I got to do it all. Where is that in scripture? Follow me and I will make you. Oh, you becoming Jesus doesn't rest on your shoulders. It rests on your obedience, but it doesn't rest on your shoulders. It rests on his. It's just you and I turning our hearts, our attention, our affection, inch by inch or 180 and moving in the way of Jesus and watching what he does. Jesus said, come. And so Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. The invitation is, come to where I am. And Jesus is saying, come to what I am doing. And just like on the shore that day for Peter, to be where Jesus is, to do what Jesus is doing, he had to move in the direction of Jesus. And here's what it says in Matthew chapter 14, verse 30. But when he saw the wind, Peter, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Do you remember what Jesus did in the boat? It says that he immediately called out to them when they misidentified him. Here is Peter sinking. And here's what it says. That when Peter says, Lord, save me, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. And if I was Jesus, I would have let him sweat it for a bit. If I was Jesus, maybe this is a profound life lesson. But that's not how God loves us. Because God never sees us, as I said a moment ago, incorrectly. Jesus knew that Peter needed immediate help. And he reached out his hand. He took hold of him, saying, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got in the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped, saying, Truly, You are the son of God. Loved ones, in life, accepting an invitation from love from Jesus. It involves your decisions. It needs to touch your direction. And then it needs to become developmental. Resilient disciples, they accept God's invitation. And they, whether it is a huge step or a small step, they just move in the direction of Jesus in three areas. They embrace that discipleship is a lifelong adventure. I took a discipleship class. That is fantastic. That is not the end of your discipleship. It's lifelong. Worship is your direction. They trust Jesus to speak to them a way that is relevant in their life. If you're here in your teens, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, and your 80s. God's going to speak to us equally, but he's going to speak to us profoundly different based on the season and stage of life that we're at. And they follow, they, following Jesus brings them deep joy and satisfaction. I promise you, obedience and accepting his invitation today and this week in large and small ways will develop resiliency where one day each one of us will hear good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, help us to build your life. Build our lives, excuse me.
from your love that always goes first that finds us where we are and calls us just to turn towards you. So Lord, I pray for those who do not know you. May they turn towards you today. Lord, I pray for those who are caught in unforgiveness specifically. May they turn towards you and trust what your word says about letting go and forgiving. Not saying what happened was okay, but trusting it into your hands rather than theirs. Lord, I pray for those who are caught, who are flirting too close to the line of temptation, believing they can handle it in their own strength. Father, may they turn away from that place and turn to a deeper or rooted place of trust. Father, for those who are looking and saying, God, I have no idea what the next season of my life is going to look like. Father, though the outcome of this season may be unclear, may they turn and trust you to lead and guide their every step. Father, lastly, I thank you that this is not mere words, that you know how in Holy Spirit you can speak to each of our hearts, specifically how we do this each and every day in our daily lives. We love, ah, because you first loved us. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for what you're doing in this house. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.